you know, in the Christian life, it can seem like, seem as if we're just wandering about aimlessly. Uh, many believers feel as though they are wandering about aimlessly, as if they don't know where to go, as if they don't know what they're doing or what they're supposed to be doing, as if we're just coasting along, waiting for something to happen, uh, as if there's no destination, as if God hasn't planned out specifically what we're supposed to be doing from beginning to end and what that overarching theme, what that overarching goal is. You know, we have an attitude that, you know, we're just bumbling around down here and that, you know, God doesn't have an overall goal for us, an overall plan for us. And it's up to us to figure it out. It's up to us to, you know, determine what that path is, whether it's you know, uh, trying to be involved in church or trying to be involved in some Christian activity or, you know, tagging along with what others are doing. But the overall attitude is just that God does not have a specific plan for us, as if there's just no specific destiny that we all have besides heaven. And I'd like to address that here. Uh, if you look at, because there is a destination, and that destination governs how we ought to live our lives. There is a specific destination that God has for us that explains absolutely everything that happens to us in our lives that is from God. Uh, the different situations that he puts us in, our skin color, um, our socioeconomic background, the country that we're, we are born in, the family that we're born in, all of these have a specific goal, a specific purpose from God. And our, our salvation in Christ, can, uh, our salvation in Christ is what all those things are for. And once we, are, once we become saved, once we're born again, the Lord then begins to lead us on that path, lead us to our destination. And all the circumstances in our life add up to that one destination. And the Bible tells us in Romans in chapter 8 and verse 28 what that destination is. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. He says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called, who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So you see, we were predestined, those of us who believe in Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, to those of us who believe in him, called according to his purpose, we are predestined. That means that before we got here, before we were even born, God called us from eternity's past to be conformed to the image of his son. And what that means is, is that he predestined us to think, speak, and behave like Jesus Christ, Yeshua the Messiah. That's why we were born in the conditions that we're born in. That's where all these, all of our circumstances of life, every single one of them, the goal is the same for you and I to think, speak, and behave 
like Jesus Christ. The reason for why God created the universe, that's what this verse is telling us. The reason why God created the universe, the stars in the sky, the plants, the grass, the trees, the birds, the animals, absolutely everything in all creation was intended for you and me to think, speak, and behave like Jesus Christ. Because he said, and we know that all, verse 28, and we know that all things, not some things, not some circumstances and not others, no. He says, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And see verse 29, he shows us what all things are working for, the, for what good are the things that are happening in our life working towards. It's not just a good for me to have uh, you know health and wealth or comfort. No, that's not what it's working together for. All things are working together for the good of me having the mind of Jesus Christ me having the speech of Jesus Christ, me having the behavior of Jesus Christ. Every single thing in all creation and in my life specifically is working together so I can be just like him because that's what he predestined the human race to be. But everyone's not going to get there. The Lord predestined the entire human race to be like his son, first through salvation, then transformation, sanctification, by being sanctified, and then daily transformation into Christ's likeness through these different circumstances that he puts us in. That is what you and I were called for. We were called for salvation, sanctification, transformation while we're being sanctified. And that is the destination that you and I have. And so we're going forward, we're going forward, we're going forward. If you belong to him, we're supposed to be going forward. Uh, in this. And what does that look like? What does it look like that I'm, that I'm going forward on my destination? Well, Philippians in chapter 2 tells us, Philippians in chapter 2, verse 5 through 8, he says, I like to begin, let's begin at verse 3. He says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind <clears throat> be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, <clears throat> thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath ex highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, Yeshua, every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." Now, what do we see here? We see that Yeshua's life is marked by degree after degree of selflessness. He was perfectly selfless all along, but we notice that each time, each stage of his life, he is going into greater and greater and greater selflessness. And that's where you and I are going. That is our destination to be like Jesus Christ, to live a life of greater and greater and greater selflessness. 
where we're no longer thinking about ourselves and about our plans and about our goals and what we want, but we're thinking about the Lord's plans, the Lord's goals, the Lord's wants, and the needs of the brethren. As the scripture says, that we show love to his name by ministering to our brothers. Um, and so this is where we're, this is where you are, this is where you and I are supposed to be going. Greater and greater selflessness. And why is that? He says, if you look at Second um, Corinthians in chapter 8 and verse 9, again, we see the example of Jesus Christ. He says in Second Corinthians in chapter 8 and verse 9, he says, <clears throat> he says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And this is how we are to live our lives. We, through our poverty, we deliberately, willfully choose in following Jesus Christ and striving to be like him. We choose to impoverish ourselves. And that doesn't mean that I'm homeless and out on the street, that I give so much away, that I'm not able to take care of my family or that I'm, you know, homeless myself and, that, and then I need somebody to take care of me. No, what it means is, is self-denial. It means that I'm saying that if there's something that I want, that I will deny myself and take those resources, the things that I don't need, I'll take those resources and give them to my brother and be more strict about what I do and don't need and be more disciplined about giving away what I don't need, that I'm open-handed towards my brother, that I'm thinking about the needs of my brothers all the time, my brothers and sisters in Christ, all the time, because God doesn't need our money. Let's get that straight. God does not need our money, but our brothers and sisters all over the world do. They need our support. They need our help. They need our prayers. And so it's up to us to be like Yeshua, Jesus the Christ, to deliberately impoverish ourselves, to deliberately follow his path of greater and greater and greater and greater selflessness, which will ultimately lead to our death, not necessarily our physical death, no, but death of the flesh. That's a picture of what the crucifixion was all about. It was a picture of Jesus Christ dying to himself, of an, uh, 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 an, uh, pen, an ultimate picture of what he had done for the past 33 years of his life. It was all the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle put together, all the pieces of his life put together in one image, the cross. That's how he lived his life every single day. Every single day of his life, he died to himself, and then he died on the cross. That's what made the cross effective for our salvation, because he denied himself every single day. And so for us, the more and more that we die to ourselves, what happens? The more and more Christ Jesus lives within us. And this is what Paul, this is what um, John talks about when, when uh, the Pharisees thought that he was the Messiah. He says he must become greater and I must become less. And that is how we are. We, as the more and more less we become, as we become less and less and less and less, and Christ becomes more and more and more and more in us, until just like John, we are dead to ourselves completely. And all that remains is Christ on the scene. Yeshua HaMashiach, the same thing. Yeshua died to himself every single day. 
And then he died on the cross. But his death every single day is how the spirit, it was so evident that he was God manifesting in the flesh because he always died to his own will. And we too, as sons of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, when we die to ourselves, it becomes that we too are God manifested in the flesh because the Holy Ghost lives within us. And God manif- we, it becomes clear that Jesus Christ, the God of heaven, lives within us. And we are his temples. We are his body through which he is exercising his power and his love and his goodness through. And, but, it, it, but it takes death to self. It takes following that destination. It takes not getting off of that destination, but being willing to selflessly sacrifice our self-will to follow him and to do his will. And so there is ever there's no need. There is no need for us to ever feel lost. Like, I don't know what to do or I don't know what God's plan is for me because God has a plan for you. And it's this that you and I will experience a daily transformation into Christ likeness to where there is no more of us. And it's all of him. And, you know, we also have to understand that any time that we seek our own, there is no self-seeking without pain. Remember that. There is no self-seeking without pain involved. The, when you and I seek our own, we are either hurting ourselves or hurting somebody else. And you and I have experience with that. Nobody had to teach us how to steal. Nobody had to teach us how to lie. Nobody had to teach us how to cheat. Nobody had to teach us how to deceive. Nobody had to teach us how to be selfish. No one had to teach us that. We were doing harm to other people without anybody teaching us how to do it. And and you, when we look at the outcome of our lives, the decisions that we've made, we can find a trail of misery and suffering that we've caused other people. And this is what the Bible says in Romans in chapter three. He says, misery and ruin mark their ways and the way of peace they have not known. If we pursued our own will in the past before Christ and it led to misery and ruin, why would we think that after we get saved, somehow it doesn't lead to misery and ruin as well? It does. The bottom line is, is that there is no self-seeking without causing yourself and others pain. And our Lord Jesus Christ even teaches us that. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, in the Good News Bible, he says, Do not store bridges for yourselves here on earth, where moths and rust destroy, and robbers break in and steal. Instead, store up for yourselves riches, uh, store for yourselves riches in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy and robbers cannot break in and steal for you for where your heart will always be for your heart will always be where your riches are and so we see that storing up riches uh and just selfish gain period only leads to hurt that's the whole point of the message of the robbers breaking through and steal stealing and the malls destroying it only leads to hurt and misery Material things are not a substitute for love. If they were, we wouldn't need to keep going back and back and back and buying more and more and more and getting more and more and more. No, true love is found in Messiah and Yeshua, Jesus Christ, and in fulfilling his purpose for your life and my life. And so we never need to feel as if, you know, we are lost or we're just adrift somewhere. We're not adrift All of these situations that we find ourselves in 
have a purpose, and that one purpose is for us to think, speak, and behave just like Jesus Christ did. And how did our Lord Jesus Christ behave? He demonstrated more and more and more every single day a life of absolute selflessness and self-denial. And that is our road, selflessness, self-denial, until you and I reach the zero point. And you look at, for example, uh, if you look at the look at the example of our Lord Jesus Christ and how he spent his money, for instance, in uh, in John, in chapter thirteen, he says. Uh, in, in in John chapter thirteen, he talks about the how he spent his money. Hold on one second. Okay, here we go. In uh, John chapter 13 and verse 26, he said, Yeshua answered, I will dip some bread in the sauce and give it to him. He is the man. So he took a piece of bread, dipped it, and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said to him, hurry and do what you must. None of the others at the table understood why Jesus had said this, said this to him. Verse 29, since Judas was in charge of the money bag, some of the disciples thought that Jesus had told him to go and buy what they needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. Judas accepted the bread and went out at once. It was night. Now, so we see from, from this example in John chapter 13 and verse 28, why would the disciples think that Jesus told Judas to go and do that? They they thought that Judas that they that Jesus told Judas to go buy what they needed or give something to the poor. Buy what they needed, give something to the poor. That was what they thought Jesus told Judas to do. Why? Because that's all they saw Jesus do with his money. With the money that they had, that's all they saw Jesus doing was buying what they needed and giving the rest away to the poor or either or buying what they needed and giving it to the poor. Again, self-denial. And that is our road that we must follow in every single area of our life. We must follow the example of Jesus Christ how he handled his money, how he looked at women, how he how he spoke, how he acted, how he was fearless in standing up for what is right, how he was angry when other people were being hurt, how he loved children, um, his, his attitude towards women, his attitude towards leadership, all of those things, every single attitude of Jesus Christ is what you and I must adopt. And um, I would like to read one more verse in this uh, in this connection here, if you look at the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, you see that that is exactly what he has come to do. He says in Second Corinthians in chapter 3 and verse 15, he says, even today, whenever they read the law of Moses, the veil still covers their minds, but it can be removed. As the scripture says about Moses, his veil was removed when he turned to the Lord. Now, the Lord in this passage is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is present, there is freedom. All of us then reflect the glory of the Lord with uncovered faces and that same glory coming from the Lord, who is the spirit, transforms us into his likeness in an ever greater degree of glory. 
And so what is Paul saying here is that when I study the scriptures and I look at the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, what the Holy Spirit does is he transforms me into the image of Jesus Christ from one area to another. So if I'm, for example, I'm a male and I say, oh, Lord, I, the way I look at women, Lord, that's not the way that you looked at women. Oh, God, the way, that, uh, the way that I spoke to that man, Lord, that's not how you would speak to him. Oh, Lord, the way that I treat my wife, Lord, the way that I treat my, my family, oh, God, that's not how you would be a husband. That's not how you'd be a father. Oh, Lord, I shouldn't have talked back to my boss or whatever. I shouldn't have treated that person that way, Lord. Any unchristlike area of our life, that we have, that we are exhibiting, any unchristlike behavior, when we surrender to the Holy Spirit and we yield and we deny ourselves, deny our plans, our dreams, our goals, our ambitions, when we deny ourselves, then what happens is, is that the Holy Spirit then transforms us into the image of Jesus Christ. He takes that unchristlike behavior and then transforms it into Christ-like behavior. He transforms our ungodly and unholy speech to holy and godly speech, our unholy and ungodly thoughts to holy and godly thoughts. He transforms us into the image of Jesus Christ as we surrender. Now, if we rebel and if we resist, then we get the exact opposite. As opposed to God working for us and transforming us, we'll experience God working against us because the Bible says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so if we are proud, if we're stubborn, if we're, if we're rebellious, if we're, if we're, then the exact opposite is going to happen. The Lord God of heaven will work against us to destroy us. And this is not what we want. He says in Romans in chapter 2, in verse um, verse 6, he says, For God will reward every person according to what he has done. Some people keep on doing good and seek glory, honor, and immortal, immortal life. To them, God will give eternal life. Other people are selfish and reject what is right in order to follow what is wrong. On them, God will pour out his anger and fury. There will be suffering and pain for all those who do what is evil, for the Jew first and also for the, and also for the Gentiles. And so what Paul is saying here is that anyone who does evil, whether you say you're saved or not, if you're working against God's program for your life, for my life, if I'm working against God's program for my life, which is to transform me into the image of Jesus Christ, then there is going to be suffering and pain in store for me. Great suffering and great pain in store for me because God wants to accomplish his plan and he's going to do anything he has to do in order to achieve it. So let's submit ourselves entirely to the plan of the Lord and follow him wherever he leads us and surrender ourselves completely to him. Let us deny ourselves and walk holy and humbly before him. God bless you.